the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Young evangelicals raised for culture war. And later, we have some fun with chat GPT and sermon writing. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson, as always, joined by my co-host, Brian Fromm. We are so glad that you're with us on this Tuesday afternoon. If you've missed any of our show, we'd love to invite you to go back Catch up on the old podcast. The old podcast. The old podcast. We do a daily show where we talk about, you know, daily news from a pastoral perspective, and we don't want you to miss any of that. So be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We also enjoy engaging with you on social media. We are at Common Good Talk on the apps. Brian, mm-hmm. uh, you were a Christian I am. youth ministry kid yes, in the 90s. Yes, I was. You were my... I was like the <laughs> yes. Christian youth ministry kid so in the 90s. I am so happy to talk to you about this then. <laughs> my favorite story of Brian is is poor little lonely Brian, the only kid at See You at the Pole. <laughs> That's got to be coming up soon, right? See You at the Pole to be there. It's got to be coming up. I was Thanks like, because I was Brian. also the guilt-ridden kid. Like, all right, See You at the Pole's happening. For those who've never heard the story, when I was in high school and... Uh, I, 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 it was see you at the poll. So my youth pastor was going somehow my best friend who was the pastor's kid didn't show up and uh, I showed up there and it was me and my youth pastor by ourselves. And the flagpole was situated in such a spot where every bus drove by it. And I'm like, dear Jesus, please help all of these. Yes, please help me. Just, and all I wanted to pray was Lord God, please help nobody me recognize me. Let nobody know what I'm doing or ask. I'm in like my my like Christian T-shirt, and we're doing this. Yeah, no, that was me. That this, was me. I love this story because I feel like there are a lot of Christian parents that would be like, "You, Brian Fromm was the only kid who showed up at sea with the pole. You should be more like him." You know, I think I was probably wearing like a Newsboys "I'm Not Ashamed" shirt, and I'm all I felt was ashamed. Like I was like. Uh, yeah, I want to tell my youth pastor, oh. you can't take me out for enough lunches to like <laughs> to this. To make up for this. Yes, um, I, yes, I okay. too was, if you out there ever did see you at the poll by yourself, I'm there with you. Brian I feel knows, ya. Brian I feel knows what, it, what it was like. Yes. Okay, so that brings me to my next question. Were you ever part of an Acquire the Fire event? Mm. These were apparently large youth rallies. In the Midwest, so I don't know if you would have because you were in East Coast. I remember kid. Acquire the Fire. I went to all sorts of things like, like it. I don't think fire. I went to Acquire the Fire, though. Okay, so uh, Caitlin Beattie at her Substack is writing about Acquire the Fire. She calls it a hallmark of 90s Christian teen gatherings. Basically, she says that it was kind of the secular versus sacred like switch where instead of Blink-182 or Alanis Morissette, you'd get... Rebecca St. James or Audio Adrenaline or or something like that. And uh, she said that she went to Acquire the Fire and felt really convicted that she spent too much time playing video games. (laughs) And so she said she was reading in her journal recently, I will never play The Sims again. Remember that game? She said she laid (laughs) off of it for an entire year. She stayed away. 
But apparently, this is kind of interesting. The guy who created Acquire the Fire, the Teen Mania Ministries leader, his name is Ron Luce. He was really convicted about, you know, the fact that the Lord had commanded him not just to raise up a new generation of followers of Jesus, but specifically to raise up an army. Like that's Mm. the language that he would use. He wrote a book called Battle Cry for a Generation, The Fight to Save America's Youth. It had a teenage bill of rights. Uh, She quotes some of it on her Substack, but she says that essentially this um, Luce's politics for teenagers was essentially make America great again before that was a whole thing. Like America was once Christian. It was thriving. It was blessed. Now it's on the brink of collapse. We ought to go there. He believed we ought to go there through teenagers. And he, Caitlin goes on. We could talk about this for a long time, but uh, loose called them God's drill sergeants. Um, Anyway. So she's talking a little bit now about how in the church she was taught look the enemies on the outside we're fighting a battle on the outside the the those outside of the church are our enemies and we have to win this battle she was taught about like debating atheists would be a thing she needed right. to be prepared for in the we film. All were. I, I remember that a lot as a 90s kid there was a lot of like fear of the atheists coming for us and so we need to to be ready but ultimately and I, This is my question, I guess. Did we, in raising up sort of this army of, you know, fiery teenagers, did we sort of miss, like, we're focused on the enemy without, did we kind of miss what was happening within? Because Mm. I think back in the day, that was, there was some excitement and some vigor and some goodness around it, but also some weird, twisted mixed up maybe even early nationalism or just even the army language i don't i don't know did we miss by allowing that to happen did we miss the danger that it caused for sure i think so like really what's what some of the stuff that we bemoan now that we see in christendom or whatever is just an offshoot of we, we these seeds were planted a long time yeah, ago right yeah like, um and now, you know, there's soldier and war language used throughout Scripture, obviously, for what we do. So we're not suggesting that it's never used. But, you know, I, I grew up singing uh, being in the Lord's Army, right? Yeah. Like, oh, I yeah. may never march. march yeah. in infantry. And, yeah. And these I little things planted seeds along mm-hmm. the way where we were intermingling nation and, and God that, yeah, it, it ends up to where you go. Oh, this is how this didn't all happen overnight. Right, this didn't all happen right. overnight. And a lot like of a these seeds up. were laid for sure. Caitlin says the greatest evangelistic hurdle now is ourselves because of some of this. She says the battle begins with the person looking back at mm. me in the mirror, asking whether or not she actually lives as if Christianity is true and truly good news for the world, for her flesh and blood neighbors. She says that's a harder battle than culture war. Mm. So I think ultimately what she's getting at is she was being prepared as a teenager for a culture war, but really like missed out on like, well, what was going on in my heart and my issues and my sin? What are your thoughts about that? Yeah. You know what I think of? And I had a wonderful, um, I had a wonderful youth group and all of that stuff, but we spent a lot of time talking about uh, rated R movies and Mm. Yeah. Not sex before ma- no yes. sex before marriage yeah. and so music, music. Secular yeah, music. we used to we used to watch a video every year called Hell's Bells. Ooh. 
and what it was, was that? It was That's all awesome. about the satanic messaging and rock music. And then you'd go burn all of your CDs. Yes. And then two yep. weeks later, you'd, you'd regret, regret it. having yep. burned. All of these things are fine to talk about music and rated our movies sure. and sexual purity. I'm sure. not like... Gosh, we should have let kids do all of these things. Whatever they want. But it is true that a lot of these things were made to be the the point. Yeah. Right? Like, if we could just make sure that our high school students left high school um, not having sex, not not watching rated R movies, not going to parties and Mm -hmm. drinking, whatever, then we've done what we need to do. Mm -hmm. As opposed to what Caitlin's talking about here is like... We want those things to flow out of something deeper, yeah. a deeper commitment to Jesus. Yeah. I mean, I didn't a transformation leave, of the heart, not necessarily the I, um, doing. I didn't leave high school going, everything in my life is driven by a passion for Jesus. It was more like, yeah. don't do this, don't do this, totally. don't do this. And that's just normal. I led a youth group where I talked a lot in those ways. Like every February, we're going to talk about why you shouldn't have sex. Yeah, and totally. I know all of you are asking, what, how far can I go? Right. And it was just all the wrong questions. Um, it just, I think we were doing it for, and I mean, I'm putting myself in here as a youth leader. We were doing it from a place of like legalism, unfortunately, mm-hmm. and not from a transformation of the heart, not from grace. And I don't think we knew that though. Like that was yes. the information we had at the time. And, and I, I, I think to be aware of that now, and perhaps as we pour into the next generation or even look in the mirror, like Caitlin saying, instead of continuing to think we're at, we're at war with culture around us. Well, let's just look at our own evangelicalism if you are an evangelical Christian and let's let's course correct what yes. we've done wrong. And right? as we teach the next generation, let's let's know the right things. Uh, let's put the emphasis on the right things yeah. is really, I think, the call yeah, here. I think you're right. All right. I have a crazy story about someone who was fired at Disneyland. Oh, good. I'm going to tell you that. But we're also just going to talk about some of the worst reasons people have been fired when we return. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Brian, I'm guessing I know the answer to this question, but have you ever been fired from a job? I have not. Yeah, I didn't think you had. I've never been because fired from a job Because I haven't had that many either. jobs. Like I, yeah. Other than like high school and college jobs, which was like... Those are tough to get fired from if you don't like, steal testaments. things, selling testaments. Like if I stole too many testaments, you know, yeah. or like the video store when yeah. I was in high school and stuff. And then college, I worked at Glenelg Bible Church for 10 years and then I started Four Corners. Yeah. Like it's, that it would that. be hard, but it, well, yeah. have you been fired? No, I've never been fired. I'm trying to think if I've ever, I, I've worked for weird places. Like yeah. right after graduation, I worked at an ad agency in downtown Chicago and it was like wild. It was yeah. wild and like. Probably you couldn't get away with some of the HR things that happened there, but I've never been fired. I quit that job. I actually just walked away from that job one I day because like it was you're, so wild. But... You're married to someone who's probably gotten fired at some point. I don't actually think he's ever gotten fired. Really? But he's kind of like you. Like he worked waiting waiting tables, yeah. and then and then he started a church. I mean, not really. Like there were some I other gotcha. things he did along the way. But okay, so I was reading a story. This caught my eye because it had something to do with Disneyland Paris, and our our listeners might know by now that I enjoy Disney theme parks. You I've, what? I know it's shocking. <laughs> I've never been to Disneyland Paris though. But have you been to Paris? I've never been to I've France. Been to Paris. I've actually, I've been to the UK, but I've never been to Europe. Have I told you my France story? No, Sorry, please no, do. this is off subject. No, I want to hear it. My mother, uh, for her working life, was a French teacher, a high school French teacher. <gasps> I know teacher. this, because you'd always go see Les Miserables. I would always go see, yes. I've seen it multiple times with her. And so, uh, when I was in, she, every other year, basically, her and another teacher ran a trip to France. 
That's cool. And so my mom, you know, would go to France. So my whole growing up, I would remember like, oh, mom's going away to France for a week. Yeah. And, you know, you take that group of students and yes. you go. Uh, so when I was in high school, I went. <gasps> and so that was cool. But That's you're in awesome. high school, right? Uh, she was getting like the other teacher was no longer doing it. And so uh, the second to last time she did it in 2003. Yes. She brought. Uh, me and my very pregnant wife at the no. time, and we were the chaperones. How fun! And we always joke she just brought us there for fun because yeah. we weren't really. It was like right. good kids. My wife was like five months pregnant. Come on, she was like, that's so amazing. we always joke with Madeline like, oh, you've been to you've, you've been, been to France. France, Nice, like Paris and Nice. I mean, it, come on, it really? was awesome. It was great. Oh, I'm gonna do great. that. Well, maybe you know this co- guy then. I'm not going. Twenty year old Louis Tabarro. That yeah, sounded very French, right? I don't think you right? said that correctly. No, I think I did. He was, uh, he, so, okay, here's the backstory. He went on strike, Disneyland Paris. Okay, there was a, there was a strike situation there. Okay. But uh, he was let go on August 14th, okay? And they say not because of the strike. It wasn't because of the strike. Yes, they'd get but, in trouble for that. Yes, they can. His dismissal letter points to an incident on June 26th. And this is what's funny. Okay. On that day. This guy, Luis Tobaro, worked at a food at Disneyland Paris that sells waffles with various toppings. <laughs> at around 4.55 p.m., guests asked for a serving of waffles with both whipped cream and Nutella. He told them they had to choose one of the two toppings, which is a standard policy at this stand. The guest later complained about his tone to Disneyland Paris customer service, describing him as nonchalant, which apparently has a more negative connotation in the original French. He notes that had he given them both toppings, other guests in line would have expected the same special treatment. He would have gotten in trouble for going against the menu. He also pointed out he's received compliments from guests before. This was his first complaint, hmm. and it was unusual for him to be this? fired for it. Yeah, so he thinks... He was fired because of his involvement in the strikes. He's very upset. He's talking about it publicly. What do you think? Do you think this was about the waffles? So first I'd want to know if there was any in any bigger story to the people who complained. Were they wealthy? Ooh, Were good they, question. Good did question. Did they have some connection? Yeah. Uh, because at face value, it does not seem like he should have gotten fired at yeah. all. Because you would think you'd say, uh, no, we want you to not. Uh, just give things away or you know you got to stick to what we've been saying to do so i can't speak to was he fired was this like a a, like a a union thing and was this a picketing thing but it does seem odd that they would go yeah it seems kind of crazy right we've only heard one side of the story maybe the people would say he was belligerent or he he was was mocking he was a jerk or or something so there's always that too Okay, so that story made me jump over to BuzzFeed and just search, like, crazy reasons people have been fired. Ooh, I thought nice. this would be very entertaining. So I'm going to share some with you. Are okay, you I'm ready? ready. Oh, okay. yes, I am. All right. This person, I was told to wash the red truck in the parking lot before I closed. Apparently, this person worked at a car place. There were no red trucks. My boss had a fit that I didn't get it done the next day, and I was fired. I guess I was supposed to know the boss was red, green, colorblind. No yes. way. That's so what it, it was says a here. green truck. It was a truck. green truck. <laughs> no way. The thing is, you think you'd go, though, to your boss. A good employee would go to their boss and say, oh, I don't see any red trucks out there. Can you point to the one you want to? I do think this was a little lazy on this person's part. That's terrible. Yeah. Okay. 
You ask if I've ever been fired. I have not. The, there, that doesn't mean there probably wasn't a time that I shouldn't have been fired. Yeah. So I had a summer job as an assistant maintenance man. And yeah. if anybody knows me, that is the single worst. Like, <laughs> Other than like astronaut or mechanic. Like this is like the worst job yes. I could have. Yep. Two things happened during that summer. And they just used to mock me. And this, Ari, I don't know how I, it was just a summer job. That's why I yes. survived. Yes. They wanted me to repaint all the fire hydrants in this uh office complex amazing and for some reason i heard them say paint it and it didn't make sense so i never asked like (laughs) why not i painted them all blue and the guy's like what in the world did you do and i'm like this is what you said and he's like no i didn't and we had this whole conversation so i had to go back and repaint them all red or maybe it was yellow Yellow, it was one of the two of those one of the standard colors for them secondly and this is embarrassing to say this This is amazing he's Oh, this is bad. Secondly, the guy told me, I need you to uh, throw out, like, I need you to throw out these garbage cans, like the trash. yeah. And I literally took these garbage cans and not just chucked the trash, but chucked the whole garbage can. (laughs) And I remember being like, what did you do? And everyone else is laughing. And I was like, you said throw (laughs) out the the garbage garbage cans. cans. He's like. Well, obviously, I just went throughout the trash in the garbage cans. And so I chucked all these garbage cans like, woohoo, into the dumpster. There are things when I think about my first job in my early 20s, again, at that ad agency, I did not know what I yeah. was doing. Yeah. Like, I'm survived, as surprised I didn't get fired for some of the same things. Like, I know I just misunderstood yep. things. I just, like, sat there at my desk not but doing But you probably anything. never painted fire hydrants blue. <laughs> no, I didn't. That's amazing. All right, here's another story. This person said they were fired because quote i needed to smile more after my dog died my dog was terminally ill and i received the news 30 minutes prior to a shift at my bartending job i did my best to put on a happy face and get through the night the owners here's here's what this person says an insufferable hipster couple who have more money than sense or taste <laughs> came in to drink. While completely intoxicated, the male owner told me I needed to smile more. I explained I was doing my best, but I received the bad news right before work. He fired me two days before Christmas. Ooh. Ouch. Again, the video store I worked at, that one would have been impossible to get fired because yep. like, back in the day, this guy literally had a big bag of change. Yep. And what you were supposed to do was to take out cash and put it in the change bag and then replace it. But he never checked or counted, like, how much had been put in that bag. So I had a I had a coworker there. Yep. I'm guessing uh, that this is now worn out and we're not heard in New Jersey anyway. I couldn't do it because I was a good Christian boy. But uh, <laughs> I had a coworker who probably made more money with the amount of cash he took out of that bag oh. than he did in salary. And I remember being like... How dumb is our boss that he doesn't, or he just doesn't care? The kid was just swiping cash from that over and over and over again. I know this isn't the point of your story, but I'm still always jealous you had a video store job. Like it was good; it had issues, but it was it was great. Many years I I worked at the video store. Besides your felon employee, yes, and the fact that the owner, I'm pretty sure, had mob ties, but that's a Jersey (laughs) thing. (laughs) Yeah, you're in New Jersey; they all do, right? Hey, coming up next, we're gonna have some fun with Chat GPT. I haven't told Brian this, but I asked ChatGPT to write us both sermons for the weekend. So I'm going to share those with Brian when we return. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. We've been debating the merits of ChatGPT for a while. Is it good? Is it evil? What can you use it for? What shouldn't you use it for? 
I got online over the weekend because I just had you know a few minutes to kill, and I was asking ChatGPT to write me into a Korean drama and <laughs> ChatGPT to do some other fun things. And then I had what this... should I ask ChatGPT? <laughs> write me, yeah. Aubrey Sampson, yeah. into a Korean it, drama. It did cast me as the lead, and I thought that's not a good idea, ChatGPT. But I'm I liked the storyline. Your it lack was of a, Koreanness. It was a, yes, exactly. <laughs> it would not be good typecasting at all. But the storyline was very cute. It was about a piano player who was falling in love. Okay. Wonderful. Uh, but I did ask ChatGPT to write us both sermons. I, I'm excited okay. for this. Would you like a Brian Fromm sermon first or an Aubrey Sampson sermon first? What would you like to hear? Uh, are you going to read all of this or are you just going to kind of weigh it down? I'd like to hear an Aubrey Sampson sermon. Okay. So I asked ChatGPT to write a sermon by Aubrey Sampson on suffering. On suffering. Yeah. Here's, okay. here's what it came back with. Here's the title. Embracing Suffering, A Journey of Hope and Transformation. Okay. Good morning, beloved community of faith. Yeah, Today, you really wouldn't say that. we gather to explore a topic that is often met with discomfort and hesitation, suffering. Okay. In a world where pain and sorrow seem to be inescapable companions, we are called to reflect on how we can find meaning, purpose, and even hope in the midst of our trials. I'm going to scoot down to this part. Aubrey Sampson, in her wisdom, has written about suffering not as an obstacle to faith, but as a catalyst for profound transformation. Pause. <laughs> Pause. So in your sermon, if you were to take their sermon, you are quoting, quoting yourself yeah, in a book that you wrote. I am. I'm, that would be, I'm quoting there myself. would be uh, some narcissism, some yep. boldness there. Like, yep. let me tell you what, because also it has you speaking of your book and yourself in the third person. It doesn't actually mention my book. It just, it just says I've written about this, but yes, that's true. I'm talking about myself in the third person. Here's something else they say about Aubrey Sampson. I don't know if I've said this, but I like it. Aubrey Sampson writes that suffering can be a sacred space, a place where we can encounter the divine in ways we never thought possible. Mm. When we acknowledge our weakness and lean into God's strength, we find solace, comfort, and healing in the midst of our pain. It's good. God is not distant from our suffering. He's right there with us, carrying us through the darkest valleys. I'm like kind of impressed. I didn't, I haven't necessarily said those words, but it wasn't bad. All right. You ready for yours? Hold on real fast. A yeah. chat GPT thing in all seriousness. I was talking to somebody in the business world. Oh yeah. And uh, they were sharing how like revolutionary to some parts of their stuff that chat G, because we kind of, you know, it's not that much in our world at yeah, the moment, other, right. unless you're going to steal sermons or get yeah. sermon ideas. Yeah. But this guy was like. No, no, we'll ask ChatGPT, take this, this, and this, and create it into like a spreadsheet. How would you do that? Come on. And it'll become the start of something oh. that would take them Hours, days, probably. maybe. And it might not be perfect, Kinda but cool. it will be a start. And then you can ask ChatGPT, how do you do, how would you add mm, this to it? And they will do it for you. So it is, like, we kind of use it as like a game, but like... Yeah. It's it's helpful in some places. This person was like, it won't be perfect. So you still have to know what you're looking yeah. for, what you need to fix. But yeah. it will get you way down the road. And maybe, you know, oftentimes the hardest thing is like, how do I organize this? How do right. I do this? Right. How do I, I don't, Help me get this I don't started do, like, or whatever. How do I write an Excel thing? Yeah. Thingamabobber for yeah. this. A hundred percent thingamabobber. And, and ChatGPT is going down that road. This is kind of the, the, the where AI is certainly helping out industry, I would I, say. I know somebody asked Kevin to write a, like a job recommendation or no, it was a college recommendation. And he's like, I don't even know where to start. And I was like, ask ChatGPT to help you get a letter started and he was like 
That was so brilliant. Like he didn't. And he did it. Yeah. He didn't like copy and paste the letter, but it's kind of that same idea. It helped him like get his own thoughts going and he, some of it he did, but then he was able to make it his own. So that is kind of interesting as a, as a tool for some things that's helpful. I do think using a chat GPT sermon is going too far, but yes, but let's hear yours. But what about um, the, see the hard part would be where to cut it off. Yeah. But like I could see you going, man, I don't know what I want to say about suffering. Let's yeah. see what it comes up with and see yeah. if it stirs anything yeah. in me. The hard part there is just going, yeah, that I stirred know. me I so know. well that I'm just going to take it. It is sort of like if you quote someone else in your sermon, you just need to say. According to ChatGPT. Uh, yeah, like I looked this up on ChatGPT and here's what it said. That's interesting. But then you wonder at what point is ChatGPT fair use? Like there's a lot of interesting conversations around chat GPT mm, and usage. Yeah. All right. I said, write a sermon on gratitude by Brian Fromm. Oh, you ready? Yes. Title cultivating a heart of gratitude, colon living in Thanksgiving. Nope. See, I would title any gratitude sermon. Thanks for nothing. <laughs> they already got you wrong. How do you wrong. not start a gratitude sermon with thanks wow, for nothing? That's really good. Okay. You ready for this? Good morning, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Oh, would you say very that? Formal of would me. you start no, it like that? Okay. No. Today we come together to explore a topic that is not only important in our walk of faith, but also in our daily lives. The concept of gratitude. Hmm. It does also quote you. Brian Fromm encourages us to see gratitude as a way of life. Where do I do that? I, I don't know. I've never written it a thing in my life. It you, you encourage us to see it. listening to, see to our it. shows? Maybe. It encourages us to see gratitude as a spiritual discipline oh, as well. Good you, of me. You encourage that. Are you ready to know more about what you encourage I us do. to do? Brian Fromm teaches us that gratitude isn't about denying the existence of challenges. Rather, it is about acknowledging the blessings that still surround us, even in the midst of difficulties. That's not bad. Does that sound like you? You also yes, quote Philippians 4 it here. it just keeps making me talk about myself in the third person. Yeah, That's yes. where you got to fix it up. Brian Fromm also emphasizes the importance of practicing gratitude in community. Good job, Brian. That is when not bad. When we gather bad. together as the body of Christ, we have the opportunity to share our stories of God's goodness and provisions. Yes. You want to hear what ChatGPT says one of your most impactful teachings is? Uh, No, but yes. (laughs) One of the most impactful teachings of Brian Fromm is the idea that gratitude is not only expressed through words, but through action. I mean, well that done, is, Brian Fromm. That if I were going to speak of myself in the third person, it would be around wisdom like that. <laughs> Do you want to know how it ends about you? Yes. This is good. As we conclude today, let us remember the words of Brian Fromm <laughs> and the wisdom of Scripture. <laughs> in that order. <laughs> in that order. Let gratitude be the melody that shapes our lives, the lens through which we view our world, and the foundation of our relationship with God and one another. Let us pray. Let us pray. Amen. Amen. Mike drop that. Hey, chat GPT. <laughs> what should I preach this week? Yes. Well, yeah, it's got a pretty good sermon for you. It's got scripture in here. You could start out with this. No, I think you're right. Like, I mean, this is fun and this is entertaining. There ha- there does have to be a line. Like, I, I yes, totally no think doubt. No that doubt. Office Brainstorm, I think that's a brilliant use of chat GPT. Like, yes. So. It needs to be a tool, not a. Not a crutch? Or, like, something that is being done to jump the line here yeah, and, like. Yeah, because. Make your life easier. Because if, I mean, I definitely don't believe chat GPT is being, like, illuminated by the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to assume that, like, any sermon is not from God. 
through chat GPT. Correct. To me as I a I would agree writer. with that. Yeah. Anyway, kind of fun. Kind of entertaining. We'll have to do some more chat GPT sermons as time goes on. All right, Brian, coming up next, we're talking decluttering your home, your mind, technology, everything. School's about to start. Summer's ending. It's time to declutter. We'll have that conversation when we return. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. It is the end of the show on Tuesday evening. Many of our kids starting school tomorrow, yes. Wednesday morning. Not my kids My kids yet. today. Your today. kids started today. So officially, I mean, not really, but sort of officially summer's ending. The fall, at, le- at least the fall, like calendar is starting maybe not the fall season but like i i feel like school becomes sort of a liturgy for families right where like mm. the fall starts something new here we go yes. summer's over isn't it spring is something new isn't that like spring the- is every season is something new. but you know what i mean like for families i feel like the start of school is like okay here we go again we're starting yes. we're starting a new year all right. I was reading something related to that at the New York Times. It was all about decluttering. All right. And they had different categories, decluttering your mind, decluttering your home, decluttering even your technology. We'll unpack that in a minute as a way to, you know, like kick off the fall. So this author, her name is Melissa Kirsch. She was writing about coming home from vacation. And you know how when you're on vacation, you were just at the Hamptons on your fancy you vacation. You have to say it that way. You, you have to say it that way. You like live out of a suitcase for a week, yes. right? You Unless you're my a... wife who puts all the clothes away into the dressers <laughs> oh, I there. Like, I like doing that too. Like, this is a, a debate we have, by the way, when we Kevin go to hotels. And I have this too. Okay, so you're the, you keep it in your suitcase. It's, yeah. And, and she puts it's it away. folded in there. She puts her stuff away yeah. and she knows that my stuff's going to stay in my suitcase or my bag or whatever. For me, it depends on how long I'm going to be there. Like, if it's a good week, I want to unpack. I don't want to have suitcase clutter. But if it's just like a couple nights, I'm not taking the time to do that. We are. If it's not my house, I'm not putting it in dressers. (laughs) Kevin tells the story of on our honeymoon. We get to Mexico and he's like, literally, he's got his like swimsuit on. He's ready to go to the beach. And I'm over there like opening my suitcase and putting the stuff away. And he's like, who did I marry? Uh, What have I done? (laughs) (laughs) Who is this person? Okay. But you know how you go on vacation and you, you really don't live with a lot, right? Because you're at a hotel or you're at Airbnb or something. And then you come home and you're like. We have so much stuff in our house. She's actually talking about Melissa Kirsch at the New York Times, how that's like kind of a gift to change in perspective. And when you come home from vacation, that's a good time to think about what's weighing you down. What feels overwhelming in your house? What feels overwhelming just in your life in general? And to start getting rid of things. Okay. Do you have an opinion about that? I always think decluttering is a good idea because when you don't like we all take on new things and we don't throw things out. So I do think the people who are good at saying, okay, we're going to intentionally everybody throw out four things from the everybody or whatever. I I don't. And so vacation causes you to do that. Or you ever go on a mission trip when you were like younger and then you come back and you're like. I must reject all of my materialism and I will get rid of everything. I can't. I was just with these people who lived on so little. And they were so happy. And everyone rolled their eyes at you. And then you're like, I know. I know. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think decluttering is a wonderful idea. There's nothing wrong with it at all. 
I tend to declutter more like around Christmas time when I know we're about to get a lot more. Like that's when I'm like, all right, boys, go through your house. Get rid of all the toys. We're going to Goodwill. We're going to go through everything and clean stuff out. I do always feel better when I declutter. Mm. But it does take a little bit of time and energy that I don't feel like I'd rather sort of watch Netflix or or write or read or play on chat. But don't you have moments where you just go. Oh, I can't take all of this stuff. I'm going to yes. start going. Yes. And you just start doing That's how Carrie and I work. It's rarely like, a hey, next week, thing. let's let's take some time to decl-. No, it usually turns out to be like, oh, look at all this stuff all around us. What are we doing? And it's I'm going to just start going through things. It happens in like kind of a, like a spurt of energy. I feel like it is like uh, we have this one pantry in our kitchen where it's just like a It's like the stuff goes there. And every once in a while, I'll just be like, it's too much. Yep. And like I will stop everything I'm doing and spend an hour just cleaning just it, it out. Yeah. Carrie, the other day, I was like, where are they? And all of a sudden I realized her and Jackson were in Jackson's room. And it went from, like, looking for something to his entire closet was now on his bed. Come on. And they were going through. Because there's stuff. He's yeah. growing. He's growing you quickly. Get rid so of stuff. You stuff gotta... wasn't fitting. Yep. Stuff this. And it was great that she did it. But it made me laugh because it wasn't like, Jackson, we're going to go through yes. your stuff. They went up. They were doing something. And all of a sudden, it was all we're out. We're going it was through everything done. right now. I yep. know. That is how it happens. What okay. do you do with your decluttered stuff? Are yeah. you a goodwill person? I'm typically a goodwill person unless it's just like, I need to throw this away. Nobody needs this. Or do you ever? Yeah. sell do you ever sell on so facebook I, marketplace in the past, i have sold but that also feels like a thing i do when i only have a burst of energy like i feel like that requires it something does. from me that i don't always want to like put the energy or the time towards even though i'm always happy when i sell and make money like kevin sold three bikes over the weekend by the way he made like a hundred bucks that's awesome it is funny when carrie and i have like a like a budget talk and things yeah. are stressful all of a sudden i'll see stuff start popping up <laughs> on facebook marketplace <laughs> and i'm always like just as long as it's not any of my stuff not that stuff I we want. actually want, yep, right? Yep, yep. Right? And it's always great. I'm always thankful <laughs> that she does it, but it's really funny. All of a sudden, you'll see like, oh, now we're selling kids clothes. Oh, I see. Okay, okay great. Awesome. Let's do this. That's good. That's, but it that's does. Facebook 31. Mar- Facebook, mar- nice. <laughs> Facebook Marketplace does take some work. It does take a little work. We, I think I told you I preached on Luke 12, Jesus saying like, sell up your possessions and give to the poor. And so I was, I was like, are you giving that money to the poor, Kevin? He's like, no, I'm buying myself a new bike. Or he says, I'm giving it to the poor. Us. Myself. The pastors in the house. Define poor for me, please. (laughs) Okay, let's talk decluttering technology. Are you, do you, we've talked a little bit about like inboxes, but like if I were to look at your computer desktop right now, Mm -hmm. is it clean, orderly? Is it totally cluttered? What does it say about you? Depends where you look. Uh, my email right now, I'm looking at it, has one email in the inbox right now. What? And last week I got it down to none. I put, I'm one of these people, like, I can't wow. handle people who are like, I have 10,000 emails. And I'm like, what? Like, make folders, put them in there. I was so I'm ask not. You so you make folders. Oh, for sure. I'm what? not like Mr. I'm not like this in the rest of my life, but with my Ryan. email. I don't know because emails get lost then and you're like, okay, where did it go? This is fascinating to me. What are your folder categories? I feel like you could teach a class on this to me. Like, oh, my, how do you do this? Oh, they'll go like every staff member has a different one. It might be like, what? I'm looking at some of our old ones. Do you but... have like, uh, like travel confirmation in a folder? No, no. Okay. I have a very generic one called personal. Yeah. That a lot of stuff that goes just for our family will go there. Okay. Do you go and check those folders? folders then and get back no, no, to no, those no. emails? I don't put unread emails there. I do well getting through my emails 
replying them and what? then and then but then the red email if I want to save it doesn't stay in my inbox. I get it out of there. Fold. I would pay you to do that to my Our email producer shaking yes. I don't think this is revolutionary. No, it's just that you take the time to do it. Like I never I would not take be the time able to, to do it. I would not be able to function the other way. It wow. would drive me up a wall. Yeah, I need someone to come in and declutter my And so right now, the only one in here is one that I know I still need to read and answer. Once it's read and answered, it's gone. No way. It's either deleted or it's put in one of these folders. And my folders, there's some that are somewhat generic, but they're they're specific enough that I know if someone's like, if I have to reference an old email, I know where to go. I have got to start doing that because what I do is I read them. And then if I know I need to keep it, I unread and then I star them and they just sit there. My theory is once it's off your screen, Mm -hmm. it's gone. Yeah. It's gone. Okay. Wow. That's good. Okay. Last category. People are going to be blown away in my life that I just came across as the, as the organized administrative you one. You really <laughs> did. I mean, you, I, I, my mind is pretty, pretty blown right now. I'm not going to lie. All right. Decluttering your brains. Okay. Totally different conversation. But again, over the New York Times, they're talking about how like meditation, silence, being in those, you know, uh, like anti-sensory chambers. Uh, that's not the right name, but that that's really good for you because mm. your brain, especially in this day and age with social media and your minds are sort of always wandering always. and going from thing to thing that to take some time to declutter your brain is actually really good for your brain space and for your health and your mental health too. What are your thoughts about that? I think that's great. Yeah. I mean, we talk in the church world of taking Sabbath and taking mm-hmm. a break and doing it. that's why those things are important. Yeah. I don't know that I regularly do things where I'm like, let me meditate and clear my brain and declutter. Right. But that is why you go for a walk. It's true. It's why you pray yep. or one of the reasons you pray. It's yep. why you Sabbath. So th- getting at that, yep. it's that important thing. All right. We've learned from this that Brian is very 100%. organized. With my email. With his email. Yes. Wow. Well, well done, sir. All right. Well, maybe think about decluttering your lives with the school year starting. Brian and I will be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.